0: talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. You're killing us. We just got him right out of the gate. <laughs> Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15, Hummels Wharf online at sunburymotors.com. Ford Kia Hyundai, the best in new inventory. Great pre-owned inventory with the Sunbury Motors guarantee and a great service department led by Fabulous technicians take care of the life of the vehicle. All at Sunbury Motors, Fourth Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, Routes Eleven and Fifteen, Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Before we tumble into the abyss, which will be the Matt segment in a moment, I will tell you that we have John Crispin today, and deal cool
1: time now for Matt to take over the show. <laughs> I'll tell you one thing I can say who's killing us is YouTube TV. Did you see what they're charging now for NFL Sunday ticket next year? This is absolutely outrageous. This is like double from what DirecTV used to have. So, for YouTube TV subscribers, it's $349 a season, 249 if you purchase before June 6th. $389 289 early if you also bundle with red zone non youtube tv subscribers you ready for this 449 a season 349 early before june 6th 489 with red zone <laughs> who in their right mind is going to pay that kind of money to watch nfl football i'm sure there'll be people out there because it's the nfl i get that i've said that be- time and time again the NFL is and will always be king. But, I mean, those are some outrageous prices. I mean, for me, the only time I would want to get it is if the if you have one of those games where the Eagles and the Steelers are stupidly at the same time on CBS and for whatever reason you have WYOU picking the Steelers over the Eagles or you have another conflict of similarity there. But the YouTube's not even making a mention of purchasing out-of-market games for just one team, which fans have been wondering about. It seems like you get the whole thing or it's all or nothing. I mean, (laughs) you got to be kidding me with these prices. And I get it. Things are going that way as far as watching stuff online. I do it all the time. But I'll tell you what, it's a pain in the rear end, uh, I would say about 85, 90% of the time. And I'll still do it, But it's certainly a lot more time and effort to change from game to game or just to get to a game rather than just flipping on the channel and not paying for it on cable. So it's just, it's hard to be a sports fan nowadays just because you either have to go through 5,000 different steps just to get to a game or you got to pay an arm and a leg for it now. It's ridiculous.
0: Never watched it once in my life, so I don't know.
1: I haven't either, but I thought maybe if going on YouTube, T- YouTube TV, it might be easier for me to access it in case I have to try and find an Eagles game if it's not on TV here for whatever reason. But obviously that's not going to be the case. Well, people don't realize,
0: let's well, at least a step. You're cheap, so. Yes.
1: That's why this is such a killer for you. <laughs> Only because I have to live cheaply at the moment. Hey. You
0: decided to have the kids. So, <laughs> Oh, my almighty.
1: <laughs> Valid point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know I had five.
0: oh my goodness so you're mad at
1: YouTube the NFL who you mad at I'm mad more the I guess it's the NFL slash YouTube TV yeah because they're the ones that came up with it wow
0: So that right out of the gate it's it's all about money to you. Why yes it is. Okay. Just I'm just checking, you know.
1: <laughs> I do care about money issues sometimes. Yeah. Especially
0: when it's yours. <laughs> Darn tootin. Oh my goodness. There you go. <laughs> All right. So that's the first one. There there has to be more.
1: I do have another one. Go ahead. I don't know if you saw this today. I now I've always thought this whole big 5 relationship with Drexel in Philly was kind of stupid, where you'd have the Big Five, but then anytime you had Drexel involved, it was called the City Six. Well, now, the Big Five has actually let Drexel in as into the Big Five, even though there's going to be six teams. And they're going to have like some stupid regular season Big Five tournament at the Wells Fargo Center in December as a yearly thing now, and there's like two divisions of three each, just so they can get Drexel in. I just I've always thought this whole thing was dumb. Like it's either Drexel, you're right in your out, but why now all of a sudden? You know why? Because the Big Five's been irrelevant for the last decade minus Villanova. <laughs> I just I just thought the whole thing was dumb. Like why now all of a sudden do we care about Drexel basketball in the Big Five? It should have been done decades ago.
0: Okay, I don't understand why you think this is a story. I I did this story six months ago. Do you listen to the show at all?
1: Usually I do.
0: Don't you remember me talking about this?
1: I, I guess not, no. <laughs>
0: right. And then I had Dan O'Neill on it, and we talked about it then. Get the lingerie on the deck. Call the janitor. Why why do I bother showing
1: up for work? (laughs) Well, I made it official today, though. There was like an official press conference at... Is this Wells your Fargo way said. of
0: bailing yourself out that we made it official today what you talked about six months ago? I mean you know, we told you about this months and months ago. I mean it was back in like, I don't know, November we talked about this. Is this thing even on?
1: <laughs> I promise it is. I mean next thing you're gonna tell me they're gonna move the show. <laughs> My <laughs>
0: almighty! <laughs> I mean, what's going on here? Oh, my goodness. God, you scared the daylights out of me. The, the the Drexel thing has always been baffling, considering, of course, it literally is, like, blocks away from the palestrian. But at least they're doing it. I mean, you know, at least they're doing it. I mean that you know, and the shame of it is is that you know, as somebody I don't know, I'm gonna guess I've done at least I don't know, thirty games in the palestra in my lifetime. At least. And it is um, and I've been there for plus triple headers, I've been there for big five games it's phenomenal and it, it did start really with Villanova which looked around and said hey guys, uh, I don't know about this um, you know, they wanted to play their you know their portion of the games over at the ski lodge and you know and over time it's fallen apart which has been bad for Philly Hoops because this is overall one of the worst seasons Philadelphia has ever had for basketball between St. Joe's I mean I know John you know I know John listens to the show but you know John John knows what I'm saying terms of the overall field, you know, Villanova was not dominant. Temple wasn't dominant. You know, now Adams, the head coach. St. Saint, Saint Joe's got better. I mean, there's no doubt St. Joe's got better. LaSalle, you know, with France, struggled. Penn, up and down. And, of course, Drexel. You know, there have been years where everybody in the city was rolling. Well, this was not one of those years In fact, there's no doubt that Penn State, I mean, I think most people feel Penn State was the best team in the state this year. Pitt was probably second. And that's just the the way it is. Um. the fact that you weren't paying attention is really... I, mean, it's, I did this story six months ago. And you're on today proudly telling everybody you're breaking news. Uh, on the show where it, like it was already done. F-O-U-L-E-D! That spell's foul! Duh. I used to have the same problem with this other guy when I first started here. S U I T that spells Suda I mean, you know, what's going to happen now with you?
1: <laughs> I'll try and do better next time.
0: I mean, we had Dane on the show. We talked about it. I mean, it's like, it's like, okay. We even outlined exactly how it was going to be done. It's like, you scare me. It's- Okay. Is there anything else that we've already had on the show that you want to break as news today? or <laughs>
1: uh, Not at the present time, no. Are you sure? I- I'm, I'm positive.
0: positive. Well, no, I just want to give you the opportunity to, you know, feel like you're making it happen. I thought the Yankees were impressive last night.
2: No, senor! No, senor!
0: No, senor! No,
1: No. Domingo Hamon stinks. But the bat stunk last night too. You lost three to two. Okay, it wasn't like he went out there and gave up twelve runs. Nah, he wa- he was better. And I think <laughs> how can you say the guy stunk? They gave up three runs last night.
0: <laughs> Right, you got five billion dollars in offense, and they yeah. all looked around and
1: said, "Hey, I hope you do it tonight." I uh, really, I'm not in the mood. Yeah, no, the offense was bad last night. I, I do put more of the blame on the offense. I just don't like Domingo Armand. <laughs> <laughs> he was better last night, and, but I also think Boone made a mistake by keeping him one batter too late, as well when he when Cleveland tied the game before he left. And but yeah, I mean the Yankees' offense was bad, especially with in scoring position. You have a guy lead off triple by Torres in the eighth, and you can't bring him home. I mean, come on. Well, you know the other guy's good too. You know. Oh yeah, I didn't think they were going to win last night, going in. But then when. Her mom was actually pitching win. half decent, and then they got two right away on Shane Bieber. I'm like, all right, maybe they got a shot to win this game tonight. And, and they're not
0: going to win tonight either.
1: Oh, I think they got sh- I think they win tonight. I don't know if they no, win tomorrow. No,
0: no, eight to four, they're done. <laughs> I mean, this has got a Cleveland sweep written all over it. What's Volpe hitting now? Is Volpe still over a hundred?
1: I believe he is. Yeah.
0: Just checking because, I mean, that was another one of your breaking
1: stories. (laughs) (laughs) Let's see. uh, Actually, Volpe is not in the lineup tonight. I think this is his first night off he's gotten this year. He'll get as many hits tonight as he has the last four.
0: Get the lingerie on the deck. (laughs) Call the janitor. I told you about Dustin Pedroia. Yes. Yes.
1: Yeah, we talked about it yesterday. Yeah.
0: Right. That, you know, look, Pedroia, the one guy that believed in him is the guy that's in the other dugout tonight, Tito Francona. And Tito believed in him. And everybody kept telling him after a month, five, six weeks, you got to get this guy out. He is doing nothing for you. And he's not a big guy. And Pedroia's not a big guy, which then also doesn't help what the perception of the player happens to be. And, he's, and he stuck with him and stuck with him and looked at yeah you know, He does not have a Hall of Fame career, but you know what? The guy had a really good Major League Baseball career, and there's nothing wrong with having a really good Major League Baseball career. Nothing wrong with that. You know, the guy was a Rookie of the Year. He was an MVP. He was a part of two World Series championships. I mean, sort of part of a third. He barely, barely played, but really was a part of two when he played, World Series championships. Um, I think it's two more than the Aaron Judge, right? I'm trying to think. Like, is, is Judge throwing out like a ceremonial first pitch at a World Series?
1: All rise!
0: Well, I'll tell you right now, when it comes time to introduce the lineups in the World Series and then all rise, he wasn't there. He was sitting at home with, uh, with
1: your kid. Unfortunately, yes.
0: No, I think fortunately. I think all of us kind of feel like you know, not everybody in the world is like on board. Should have gone to the Giants. All right. Um. <laughs> all right. We'll be back with more in a moment here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Okay. Hmm.
1: When car repairs get difficult,
0: well, I, I just don't know. Um, me neither. We get good. Sunbury Motors Your oil change, tire alignments, brakes, and inspections. Quick Lane, 630 to 6, Monday through Friday, Saturday, 630 till 2. Sunbury Motors, Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors, Kia. Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. We take the
1: Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. out of auto repair.
0: I mean, if I can't even get the co-host to listen, I don't even get everybody else to do it.
1: I guess that's a fair point, yeah.
0: You're on here doing all this breaking news, and I'm sitting there going,
1: breaking what? I'll work on it. Talk where your voice counts.
0: This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Keros 11 and 15. Elmers Wharf online. SunburyMotors.com. Ford Kia, Hyundai, best in new inventory, all with great warranties. Fabulous pre-owned inventory with the Sunbury Motors guarantee. And also a fabulous service department that backs all this up for the life of the vehicle. It's Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 and 15, Humble's Wharf online, sunburymotors.com. Great to bring back in John Crispin. John, welcome back.
2: Well, how you doing, man? This is – a this is a, there's a lot of weird stuff going on in my neighborhood right now. I'm losing neighbors, but we're excited about it. But maybe we're not – I really don't know how to handle all this.
0: <laughs> it's different. It's different. Uh, when you've done this as long as I have, you get used to change and different.
2: Yeah. So – Yeah, this, uh, this is – it's interesting, though, Steve, because it's like we've seen this in our business, right? You see coaches go sure. from place to place all the time. Mm-hmm. You see assistants follow – but, when you see it firsthand, it's different, and you're reminded of the the commitment required to do this at the highest level in, in our in our sport and college basketball. It's a crazy commitment, and it's not just the commitment of the coaches who are leaving. it's the commitment of the family who relocate no
0: and question. kind of
2: make their whole new life there or remake their life there because Joe has obviously been there when he was a professional. so yeah, it's it's really interesting to see all this stuff play out. But the other thing is there's there's also the innocent bystanders. Like myself, who I, I have the thought of having new neighbors, don't like that. Uh, I'm yeah. also assuming all of what Joe did in Crispin basketball. I mean, you're talking 700 kids in leagues, camps, clinics, yep. and everything else. So, so Joe's like, yeah, I think I'm gonna take the Penn State job, and I was like, uh, so that means I have a new job too. So,
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah,
2: it's crazy, man. It's wild.
0: It is wild, but you know, career-wise for Joe, I mean head coach at Rowan yep. but now he's going to be assistant to the head coach at a division 1 power 5 program career wise if things go well what can that mean
2: well i think ultimately what what that can mean is he can probably start to look and pick out his job if it goes well you know we we understand what Joe's really brought to to do he's brought to bring offense uh, and it should mm-hmm. be complementary of who and what they are on the defensive side but Joe's a, Joe's a philosophical guy and and the philosophy has to be consistent with everything they do, so really it's it's strategy, game planning it, managing the personalities I mean all the things that Joe kind of did as a player and also did as a coach he's still going to do, but he doesn't have to have the focus of a head coach, and I think it's a good thing you start to it's like a restaurant manager, right well, restaurant managers are best when they start as bus boys and work their way up. He's getting a taste of all of that, having had to make the decisions as a head coach. So it's an interesting way to do it, going the opposite way. Like most guys work as assistants till they get a head job. Joe's kind of doing it the opposite way, which also proves that he can do this at a higher level if it goes well. But I think, you, look, you know where Joe is. Joe's always wanted to be back at Penn State. He, he wanted to win at Penn State. He hasn't mm-hmm. stopped thinking about how to win at Penn State since he was a freshman in college. When most of us were saying, is he ever even going to play? He was thinking about how we're going to win. So, I mean, right. he's he's really dedicated to the place as much as he's dedicated to the career because I think that's that's where you, be, you be get that slippery slope area where it's like, mm-hmm. do you just want to chase and chase and chase and hopefully it works sometime? Or do you want to go make someplace great? Like, do, do you want to go make something better so when someone else inherits that job 20 years from now, 25 years from now, it's no longer a stepping stone. It's now a job that people want. I think that's ultimately the the focus and, and that's why he's there.
0: Well, it's interesting because September is freshman year. You know, I go over yeah. and watch a couple of practices and I walked out of there and I I, I can't remember who I said it to it may have been Dave Baker. I said, Three is playing. Yeah. <laughs> he says he says, You think so? He saw I said, He's playing.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and then, you know, the way things go, I mean, Dan Earl gets hurt, and, uh, you know, here he is starting, and and in Joe's mind, he's like, well, I expected to start anyway, and it's funny, like, there's a mindset behind that that is borderline lunacy and borderline true conviction, And, and... You've got to kind of you got to kind of balance the two, right? Sometimes you're you're another lunatic about it. You really believe in in yourself in a way that is sure per, pretty much unlike anybody else, right? And, and a lot of great athletes have that, right? Jordan, driven by his vindictive nature, he's always trying to right. prove to you, prove something to you, right? Kobe had a fear of not succeeding. LeBron James is is just insecure, and it drives him. You know, so in a way, you just have to guide those things for a, a greater purpose. And I think that's why Penn State was always perfect for Joe and in a way Joe was perfect for Penn State was he was at home when he was there right yeah. so, so you want to serve where you live more than you want to serve someplace else right it's why I felt lost at UCLA it wasn't home Penn State was home Penn State was my yeah. family the community was my family so I think the biggest thing is he's going back someplace that he has purpose beyond basketball and I think that's what makes this job a lot different than people understand
0: Two parts that. Number one, uh, so everyone knows. I know John went to UCLA. John never yeah. for a second stopped being part of my family.
2: Why? Well, okay. Thank you for that.
0: Yep, yeah, yeah, and you know that. But, see, yeah. but you already knew that. Okay, but just yeah. so everybody knows, don't start everybody like he went to. No, no, no. He never stopped being part of my family. All right. Number two, hey,
2: Steve. I tell people all the time. I, I appreciate Penn State more than people that went there for four years because I yeah, left and lost it.
0: That's right. Right. Exactly. Number two. What does this tell us about Mike Rhodes? Mm. That with that Joe, even with the deep appreciation for Penn State, signed on to be with Mike Rhodes.
2: You know, first off, there's the. the we'll, we'll start with one direction, right? There, there's the. What does this tell you about Mike Rhodes? Well, first off, he's secure. You don't bring someone like – you don't talk to Joe for five minutes and hire him if you're insecure. You don't. Like, Joe will tell you exactly what he's thinking. He will give you his philosophy. He will hand it to you. And you're either going to like it or you're going to say, this guy's going to be too much for me. And Mike Rhodes is expressing his security in bringing someone like Joe on because the more you spend time with Joe, the more you know this is a man who is deeply rooted in his convictions, and he will constantly share that. Uh, so, so there's that part, but the other part is Joe knows the balance is right with Mike, right? Mike is not like Joe is, and Joe's not like Mike is, and that's good, right? You, you, if I married myself, meaning my own personality that was like myself, we're in trouble. Instead, I, I married a saint who is, is helps balance my lunacy out in so many ways, and that's why it's great. So, so Joe and Mike actually really balance each other in so many ways, particularly when you think about what Mike's been able to do defensively. Like, I know he scored more at Rice, but, right. but the ultimate foundation that he created and the pressing off or pressing defense, which he's been able to do, it plays right into the hands with what Joe's always wanted to do offensively, score 80, 90, 100 points a game. And to do that, you have to take the risks that Mike has shown the willingness to take as a defense. So if you add offense to what Mike's been able to do, that's, that's dangerous. It's particularly yeah. dangerous in the Big Ten because no one's willing to do it. But, I mean, how many times have we said, finish sixth, finish seventh every right. single year, but be different, and you'll be even more right. dangerous in the NCAA tournament?
0: And that's the point that Dick Girardi and I have tried to make. When Penn State had Jamari Wheeler, Isaiah Brockington, yep. Myron Jones, those were that, that was speed out there, and it was speed yep. on defense. It doesn't have to be speed on offense. It was speed on defense. And then this yep. year, shooting the threes. Penn State over the last six years, for the most part, has been the running team in a walking league.
2: Yes. Yes, and they haven't played... And here's the thing. They haven't played fast enough, and and this is case in point. Why is the game 65-60 to headed into the last two minutes of play, and the game ends up 75-68? to Because Penn State turned it on all of a sudden and realized, like, wow, these guys could play like this all game and be really dangerous, but... But the game's not played that way in the Big Ten. So yeah. the challenge is how can you force the game to be played that way? Well, the truth is you've got to take more risk. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to encourage a team. It's like Gonzaga when they're at their best. What does Gonzaga do? People always ask, They don't know how to answer this question. They say, well, they score more than everybody I go, no, no, They say go ahead and be better than us at what we do best, right? Yeah. We run. We play with flow. We play with great yeah. rhythm. We shoot it quickly if we got opportunities. We just play ball. There's there's less sets. I always say there's less plays and more playing. Right? That's kind of how it goes. And in a way, that's a risk in a controlled environment like the Big Ten. right? Most teams want to create structure and control the game, put limitations on the game. And we say, no, no, no. No limitations. How about a constraint? Like how about we have to get a certain amount of turns in the backcourt. We need to run and jump twice. Uh, these are constraints on the game, that you have to learn to play with it. Uh, how about let's let's play with the 20 second shot clock in practice to teach you guys how to make quick action, you know, yes. type of right. scoring play opportunities. Now, quick action scoring play opportunities. It's not a down screen, side screen. All it's none of, it's none of that. It's an action that puts the defense at a disadvantage. You attack with your advantage. Now the defense is chasing. You've got a scoring opportunity within 10 seconds. I mean, that's what you want to do. It's a constant pressure on the game. So I think it's going to be really interesting to see how it plays out. And you know who's a big piece of that, right? Ace Baldwin. <laughs> big yeah. piece of that.
0: No no, no, getting around it. I mean, you start there with with the point guard part of it. But yep. I've always been a big believer that in most games there are three points where a team can put another team away. Yep. You know, somewhere you know, like the under 12 to the under 8, you can do it, obviously at the end of the game. But the other one's the first half. For the most part, the great coaches have the same record in games decided by five or less as almost everybody else. The difference is they're never in games that are five or less because they're better and put teams away in the first half.
2: Can you recognize and counter the adjustment? That's it. Yep. And And here's the other part. Can you force a team to constantly adjust back to you? like yep. can you can you recognize that adjustment and say, "Okay, now they're taking this away. Here's our counter now you're yep. forcing that team to adjust to that. It's counter the counter type of thing, and if you're really teaching ball the way we're supposed to be teaching ball this the, today which which again we're we're not doing this particularly well in college basketball, otherwise, the NCAA tournament would have been more fun than just upsets. It would actually have mm-hmm. been fun basketball too. It would' have been scoring in the eighties and nineties like I had yeah. Michigan state and Kansas State, some of the best games of the season, yeah. That was I was awesome. there at the Garden for Westwood one. Yep. It was tremendous. It was and, awesome. and why is that great flow, right? Less yep. stoppages, less, less, less resets, meaning looking to the bench and saying, what are we going to run? You want to teach guys how to play. So do your teaching and practice. Do your coaching and practice and really take off those training wheels in the games because that's what makes you dangerous. And if there's any place to do it, Steve, it's Penn State, man. Right. Like and, and People celebrate who you, do, though, you is, are you when save. you lose.
0: You save a couple of things for the second half to see how they react to it, right yeah. and that you know and you can do that where like there's a couple things you just like lay back just a little bit. I'm gonna save yeah. it to the second half. Are you now go- I'm gonna run a set from the first half and if you're gonna defend it the same way, I now know and this is the second half. I'll run a set to start the second half that is similar to the first half. You're defending it the same way. now I'm gonna counter yes. Exactly, and you have no and you have no time to adjust because you have a sixty second media timeout.
2: No, and there's also created things you can do defensively, right? Sure. Where you've been Same running thing. and jumping in a certain way in the backcourt, maybe certain areas, you could blow it up and just keep them on their heels the entire time. Sure. And it's you can, it, but the thing is, it's fearlessness. It is stop playing their game. It's, it, Joe and I always go back to it: revolutionary war tactics. Man, don't fight the red coats on an open oh, battlefield. <laughs> Hey, Beat him at the pass. Thin out hey, the herd. Play our game. Hey,
0: guess what? Okay, my godmother, right, lives four houses off the Lexington Green. Oh, so there I know you go. all about it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The redcoats marched in formation. Guess who fought from behind the walls?
2: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how about the how about the Mel Gibson Patriots? Right. The, yes. Man, it's like no, no, we're gonna blow up the bridge. And then we're going to corner. We're going to corner some over here. They're not going to know what hit him and where we even came from. <laughs> you right. know, I mean, Penn State can do that basketball-wise, where you sit there and say, whatever we stop, they've got an answer to, and whatever we adjust to, they've got a counter. That makes you dangerous, dangerous in the Big Ten, dangerous in the NCAA tournament, and I know by the way, a lot of fun.
0: All right, and that, and that Michigan State Kansas State game, cool. which was which I think was the game of the tournament. Yes. Uh, was, you, you want to know what was interesting about it? Kansas State plays like that with Johnson and Noel and guys like that. Yep. I got that part. They play like that. Michigan State, was, and I pointed this out to somebody when I was out in Des Moines, I said, watch out for Michigan State. They said, Michigan State? I said, because this is a team that wants to play loose and free, and they yes. haven't been allowed to for two and a half months. I said, watch them get unleashed.
2: Yes. it's It's my three-year-old who just got up from a nap. Open yeah. that back door, and that dude's—he's in the sandbox. He's got his yeah. four wheeler out. He's all over the place, right? You, you just unleash him, let the energy flow. But also, the other part of that, and you mentioned that with with Kansas State too, is is the creativity. Don't yes. don't stifle yes. creativity, man. That's you can't great. do it these days. These guys feed off of it, and, and Marquise Noel was case in point. But so was AJ Hogart. So was yeah. Tyson Walker. No, so doubt. was Malik Hall when they yeah. when they're given freedom. So, and, and if you think, by the way, we, we keep talking about, well, well, they have the talent for it. It's like, yo, know, everybody's got the talent for it. Yeah. They're, the FAU has the talent for it, right? There's a ton of talent out there. Can you put them in a position where they feel confident to go ahead and let loose? That's it.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's certain elements that are important within structure. Yeah. But if you allow creativity and instinct to then be a part of the structure, it's fun yes. to watch.
2: So so here's the key, Steve. Stop using the term structure and start using the term boundaries. Yeah. You yep. play with it here. You establish the boundaries. The boundaries are the rules with which we play, right? This is how we yep. kind of serve one another on the floor. Stay within the boundaries, and you're free to express yourself as a basketball player. That's right. You operate like that. Man, you are empowering players to go be the best version of themselves. And I think that's really what, what makes some teams great and other teams just stuck in the mud. And there are a lot of teams in the Big Ten that are stuck in the mud and they like it in the mud and they're going to keep you in the mud. It doesn't mean I have to play that way, right? You know, you have to just mm-hmm. – look, my freshman year we played Mike Kelly and that Wisconsin team that held everybody to get 50 points. We scored 78. Yep. I think Joe had yep. 36. Yeah, he did. No one did that. No one did that right. against them. And Mike uh, didn't know what to do. Mike game didn't my freshman know what to year. Do. Yeah,
0: and Mike didn't know yes. what to do with it. And Mike's a really good player, so please, yep. this is not
2: – Big Ten Defensive turned... Player of the Year. It was National right. Defensive Player of the Year.
0: I mean, exactly. You see, that's why I told everybody that I thought there were only two teams in the Big Ten that could get out of the first weekend. Michigan State yep. was one, and Penn yep. State was the other. Now, and I knew Texas was there. I knew that, right? And if DeSue doesn't have the game, he has Penn State does get through uh, yes. because Penn State's winning the game with four minutes to go. The reason is is that they weren't the. There were the two teams in the conference that weren't the cookie cutters.
2: Yes. Yes. I mean, look, It's Joe, Joe calls it a copycat league, and I said, well, you're now in the Big Ten, so you better stop saying that. I, I, <laughs> I soften the term because I like to have opportunities job-wise, and I say it's an assimilation league. You yep. assimilate to the way the game's played in the league so you mm-hmm. can survive a 20-game conference schedule. Right. But the reality is you're trying to do that to win the league. Stop trying right. to win the league. Don't win the regular season. Have a chance in the postseason tournament. That's it. Big Ten tournament and the NCAA tournament.
0: Yeah, it's okay to finish between fourth and seventh. You just want to get to the NCAAs. Because the problem you have with the style of play in the league is then it is officiated to the style of the play in the league. Yes. Yes. And that has become stifling. And I say that I'm not putting down officials. That's what I'm not doing here. I'm saying it is officiated because of the style that is played in the league. Yep. And then they get to the tournament, and it's not officiated that way. And guess what? Yes, freedom. And guess what? My boundaries. I don't use structure anymore. Boundaries.
2: Yep. I like it. I like (laughs) it. It's true. But it's true. You see it happen year after year. We have the same conversation. I'm sitting there saying, like, I've been telling you for years. Like, I, I mean, I've had the conversations with, uh, with, with people at the conference to say, hey, have you had conversations about style of play and, and why we're, we're limited so much in the NCAA tournament? And the, and the conversations always come back to, well, we don't want to tell coaches how to play. And I was like, okay, well, maybe you can punish them differently. Punish poor play through officiating. Call the game the way the game should be called, which is facilitating a game that has rhythm and flow. That's it. Fairness, rhythm, and flow. That's exactly. it. Exactly. But but we don't have that in the league. It's it's you know, bang it out down low, call timeout. Rest up so you can go bang it out down low again. And it's it's brutal at times.
0: this league this league penalizes offense mm-hmm. more than yes. any league. I'm talking about like NFL, NBA, NHL, yep. Yep. right? The Big Ten penalizes offense more than any league I've ever seen.
2: Yeah, we celebrate charges as if they're great defensive yeah. plays. It's like, no, I, that guy he, did nothing but run in front and I, stand there with his hands down. That's not
0: defense. I, and Ninety percent of ones that are charges are actually blocks, and you and I yes. know it.
2: Yep. It's like,
0: <laughs> come on.
2: And I and we yeah, wonder and, we and, wonder why the play is boring at times.
0: And the dribble handoff, the dribble handoff. That's oh, what we oh, Doc it off, just play.
2: <laughs> Man. I mean, and the thing is, we we talk as if it's, well, it's more physical now. I say, no, No. it's more athletic now. It's not more physical. It used to be way more physical, way more physical when I played. And before that, even when scores were higher, when when we did have the Loyola Marymounts and and Michigan scored 135 to 120, Mm -hmm. it was still incredibly physical, but it was allowable physicality. Like we really, I always said this. This is so. This was my big thing when when we came out with Freedom of Movement. I got on the officials' bad and I said, "Look," and I'm talking about the bureaucracy of officials, officials, not the guys calling the game. The guys calling the game are doing their best to keep a job, and they're following stupid rules. But I said to these guys, "He said, here's the problem, guys. What you don't understand is the game. The game and everything else in life is all about balance, right?" We're never going to be all one thing and not, and, and, or all the other. We, we've got to have balance in the game. And when you come out with a point of emphasis that's freedom of movement, you darn well better come out with a point of emphasis that's freedom of contact. Because you yep. need to determine what allowable contact is within the game so you don't just blow the whistle. And when the scoring goes up one and a half points per game and you celebrate it as if you accomplished something, all you did was put guys at the free throw line. That's it. Yeah. The game's yeah. no better. You've slowed it down. So freedom That's of right. contact is as important as freedom of, of movement. Without without the opposite side of it, there's no balance, and there's no flow. You clean,
0: you clean it up in two weeks. That way yes. they know how the remaining 12 weeks are played.
2: Exactly. Okay. Yeah, you may also go to four quarters and punish fouling in the sense that at sure. five fouls each quarter, you're shooting right. two. Right. You'll stop yeah. people. But also, what, what people don't understand is the timeouts, the way we structure them in the men's college game, First off, it's just dumb. We're the only we're the only basketball out there that plays two two halves. It's just dumb, and and if I hear one more thing about well TV, it's like oh, figure it out. Sit me in a room for forty five minutes with TV folks, and I guarantee we'll figure it out. I, I did the of information NIT, figure it out.
0: <laughs> I did I did the nit in twenty eighteen. It was four quarters, and they yep. they, they figured it out.
2: Yep, <laughs> so. yep. You figured out, but the other thing is what we don't understand is we're not actually fatigued because of the amount of timeouts and stoppages we have. And and it takes forever to get the ball inbounds on a dead ball. All these things, it just slows the game down. Baseball's doing a much better job of it. I've actually watched baseball games now. Mm -hmm. Fatigue helps flow. So what you want to see is you want to see guys fatigued from running up and down the floor. They won't foul as much. They just won't. We think that if you're tired, you foul. If you're tired in a physical game, an overly physical game, you do tend to foul but they don't tend mm-hmm. to call it. It just gets so physical. But if yep. you fatigue guys by running up and down the floor with less stoppages, like the Michigan State-Kansas State game, where we didn't have a stoppage until 1350 in the game, yeah. we, cre- we created a great flow in that game, and that determined how the rest of the game was going to be played. It was awesome. And, and I hope we can find that more. Otherwise, it's, it's probably going to be more of the same.
0: Guess what? There are two things that will happen. One, TV ratings will go up. Two, more yep. people will attend the games.
2: All yeah, right. and you know what? Those commercials you're losing, they'll have more value anyway. <laughs>
0: exactly, exactly. Hey, you're the best. See, I'll, you're gonna see, be up to, I'll see you in about a month and a half. To, yeah, coaches versus cancer, right? You're going to come up.
2: Yep, going to come up. Hoping to bring my dad too. Oh, please, I look yep, forward to it. It'll be that'll be special. That'll be special.
0: Thanks, John.
2: You got it, man. Anytime. Look forward to seeing you.
0: Okay, brother. See you. John Crispin, ESPN. And also, he called the games on Westwood 1. Neil Kulong, next half hour. Then we'll uh, go through and remind Matt of what we've talked about in the show in the final half hour. It's just a primer here on News Radio 1070 WK.